Kira Crossan is the founder and fearless leader of Wedding Dates, a website which enables couples to book their wedding venue online. The company works with top venues throughout Ireland and the UK to drive wedding revenue. In this episode, we talk about the success and challenges of her 15-year-old business and raising twins as a single mother. Welcome back to another episode of Growing Forward and we are continuing with our Iconic Women series. Today I have another iconic woman who I know quite well actually for quite a long time, Kira Crossan from Wedding Dates is here with us. The easiest way to describe her would be just a female entrepreneur and leave it at that, but the depth in this person and the resilience, a thought leader is what I would say, international hospitality and marketing is the category, but I'm talking about business awards you know, 15 years in business, founder and CEO, female entrepreneur sounds very mild compared to all that's gone on for you, Kira. So you're very welcome. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for having me, Virginia. No problem. Listen, I want to get to all the juicy stuff like where we could find you could be absolutely anywhere. Open the newspapers, in the media, at the Grammys. We'll get to that later. But what I really want to come back for a moment on is you know, when you were like the younger version of yourself. So let, bring us back to little Kira. Who was your inspiration? Who, you know, your self-belief really at that age is when it really starts. Like somebody whispers something into your, your head and your heart. What was happening for you as a little girl? So what were you doing? Bring us back okay. to the beginning of your story. Okay. So I was a pretty precocious little young girl. Um, I mean, back then I would have been called bossy, which I think, you know, has a, a lot of females have been called that. And I think, you know, that word has a lot of negative connotations. But the other side of that word boss actually has loads of positive uh, connotations. So mm-hmm. I always say I'm not bossy, I'm the boss. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was I was pretty precocious. I was pretty you know, loud and outspoken. Um, but I am the eldest. I have three brothers. So I have that really nurturing, caring side as well. So I spent a lot of my childhood looking after my brothers. Mm-hmm. And my baby brother, Shane, um, I was 10 when he was born. There's exactly 10 years between us. So imagine me, a precocious little 10-year-old girl, getting a newborn baby into the house. Well, I thought he was mine. I just... <laughs> I just took him. new toy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I changed all the nappies, um, uh-huh. you know, fed him the bottles, all that stuff. I mean, my mother now will be listening to this rolling her eyes thinking, yeah, Kira, I didn't do anything. <laughs> but I really, I, I do have that very strong nurturing, taking mm-hmm. care of side of me as well. Um, but I think growing up in, in a house um, like that where I was the eldest and I was just given, I suppose, a lot of, early, my early self-belief was definitely from my parents. You mm-hmm. know, there was never really any limits put on me or or my siblings. Um, you know, we could kind of, we could do anything. We could, we could do anything we really wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a really, you know, happy childhood in that way. We spent our summers down in Kerry. We were given loads of freedom. And um, yeah, I, I just had that, you know, solid grounding, I think, to, to believe in myself and to, yeah. To go for it. Go for it. And then what about like, what were you doing? I often ask people this, like, are you doing something now that makes sense for what you were doing? Like, let's just say if you were 
mad for colouring when you were younger and you grew like we end up doing something that we really wanted to do as a child that yeah. we got lost along the way. Are you doing what would we have found you doing when you were small? Well, when you know, when you're in school and they say, What do you want to be when mm. you grow up? And people were writing, you know, doctors or air hostesses or whatever, mm-hmm. all different, you know, professions, I suppose, that we would identify. I always said I wanted to run my own business. Um, and specifically, I used to say that I wanted to run a hotel. Away. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Well, this is full circle then. It's right it's, back. Exactly. So actually, both my parents grew up in hotels. My, my okay. grandparents on both sides of my family owned and ran hotels in the west of Ireland. So hospitality is truly in my blood. And that's what I used to write down, you know, in literally primary school. You know, wow. I wanted to own and run a hotel. And my father was looking at me going, no, it's so hard. Don't do it. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I really had that strong thing that I wanted to work for myself. Um, and then my father went went out on his own and was self-employed from, I can't even remember what when he did, but went from when I was fairly young. And then... In secondary school, I just got involved in everything. As I say, I was just one of those one of those kids. And, you know, I was a managing director of the mini company. I was the chairperson of the school bank. <laughs> I was just like in those bossy I, I just, roles. Yeah, yeah. I just naturally gravitated to those those leadership roles, I suppose. And, you know, it wasn't really called leadership or anything yes. back then. But I just naturally... Leaned into those kind of things. Like, yeah. Exactly. I just... I exactly leaned into it. It just it suited me. You know, I I was I was confident. I could mm-hmm. speak. You know, I had no fear of teachers. Um, I really okay. felt that I could communicate with them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's unusual because most kids are not like that. Like it's most kids aren't born that naturally confident. I guess that you know they yeah. think they'd have that ability. But for you, I think it was modelled for you too by your parents. Then so like. Would you have looked up to them or would you know that they were different from other parents? Would, would you have seen that or would you be not aware of that at all? Or was this just how you grew up? I don't think I was aware of it at the time. Yeah. I think I, it was just so natural mm-hmm. for me. But, you know, I suppose our parents, for the most part, you know, we were able to talk to them, you know, yeah. and um, it, there was not so much because I said so. You know, there was usually mm-hmm. an explanation given for why we couldn't do Whatever so it was the, the style was. of how they communicated maybe and the freedom so. in that. I guess so. I mean, I haven't really thought too too yeah. much about it, but I, I guess I just, you know, one of the, the sayings um, that my dad said, well, it was much many, many years later when he actually said it to me just before I went on to the Dragon's Den. Mm-hmm. He said, when I was nervous, he said, you know, they put their pants on one leg at a time, just like you. Yes. And... You know, I suppose he said it to me in that moment before I went in the Dragon's End, but I guess he's kind of modelled that throughout my whole life, you know, and I suppose even as a young child, you just see that, you know, your parents dealing with people on all different levels and how they treat people and that integrity. Mm. I think that was really modelled to me from and a very young age. Conditioned into you, like, yeah. and that's so powerful and so simple that I'm totally saying that to my kids when I go home. <laughs> but it's so simple, but it's mm-hmm. effective because they're the things that we really kind of, we hear in those moments that, look, and even when I was, I remember when I was going in to have my first child, somebody had said something simple as well to me, like people in tribes go out away from the tribe and have their baby in the desert on their own because they're women and we can do that. Mm-hmm. So you have everything you need in a hospital. I'm like, OK, I can do this yeah, yeah. <laughs> till the pain kicked in. And it's like, OK, <laughs> where's my tribe? <laughs> but that's so interesting. And like in terms of the work that you're doing now, then it's exactly kind of what you planned you know yeah 
except owning a hotel or something like that, you know? Yeah, that I'm I'm working in the industry. And that still lights you up, clearly. It does, it does. I love I love the hospitality industry in general. Um and the area that that I'm working in, you know, and I, I just love people who work in hospitality are generally outgoing, they're hospitable people, they're warm, they're friendly, and I love people. So I just love that industry it's because it's a real people industry. Mm. And I, I I suppose I just gravitated to it. But it is quite funny how it has kind of come full circle in that way of my yeah. grandparents owning hotels. I mean, even when I was doing my market research back in the early days of wedding dates, I went to my granny and literally like, who do you know in hotels? Yeah. And she was like setting up meetings for me with That's people. So where funny. That I never realised that. So, that's yeah. so funny because when I met you, like going back now a good few years now, but it was in the Rubicon Centre, which was like, you know, for startups and new businesses, like an accelerator place for them to be and a hub of support. And I remember I probably was in, I was back from the States after being away for about 10 years and I was maybe around the time of my first child. So I was a bit vulnerable, maybe not as confident, maybe, you know, when I came back from the States, I didn't feel where... I hadn't found my feet yet at home. And I remember you coming in on one of the programs and being like, okay, now she's doing a a TV interview or now she's doing, she's on radio. And you were always this kind of like a little pocket rocket that was just like out to speak at events. And you were younger than me. And I remember being, first of all, you were actually very sound and fun. So there was a bit of your energy that I was like, okay, I could align with that. That's, that's nice. But then like there was power and I I guess we don't realise this ourselves, but I can now look back and go, there was actually quite a lot of power in what you were doing because I could see that you were younger and you were just literally yourself, whether you were on camera or on radio or whatever with a journalist. And I remember thinking, God, that's so cool. She can be exactly who she wants to be. And there was some type of permission in that for me to go, wow, that's really incredible. Now, I remember at the time also thinking, but I don't have a business idea. (laughs) I felt, I always felt I was on the wrong side. I was more the coordinating programs and, you know, administration and all that. And I would come and speak to business owners and help them in any way that I could in terms of marketing. But I remember going, I think I'm on the wrong side of the table here. I think I should be out there. I was always so excited for the people that came in and where they were planning to go with their big dreams. And then I realised, hang on a second, I'm on the wrong side of this. But like there was permission in seeing you be that confident. So like, let's just talk for a minute on like your journey to confidence. To confidence because like it seems that it was nurtured into you naturally at home but you know has self-doubt come up has imposter syndrome all of these terms that we hear kind of thrown around to be honest like what was the reality for you when let's just say you're going to the dragon's den for instance or you know all of the many campaigns you did in the press did you ever doubt yourself and wonder oh, am I putting myself a bit out here too much or am I putting myself out here not enough what was your thought process around your confidence? I mean, I started my business relatively young. So I started it when I was 25. And I really think, you know, so much of it was, you know, ignorance is bliss kind of thing, Mm. right? I was really, really, really naive. So prior to starting my business, I had had a couple of jobs, you know, six month contracts. But that was, you know, I'd, I'd, pretty much straight after college I travelled for two years and then I had a couple of six month contracts and then I started my business you know I didn't really have loads and loads of experience in the real world in Mm -hmm. the real working world and then I had this idea took a punt on it it was very early 2008 and I just remember my dad saying to me 
if anyone can make this work, you can. It's you. And just he has this, well, both my parents mm-hmm. have this huge belief in me. And then that feeds my own self-belief as well. Yeah. So that was a huge thing, the kind of the support and the belief from my parents and, and my family at large. And then my extended family, which is my friends, right? E- you know, everybody really believed. Well, God, I've never really asked them, my friends, but like maybe they were all rolling their eyes to heaven thinking she's bonkers. <laughs> I actually don't know. But isn't it the best gift for someone to actually believe in you? Like yeah. it, it, we we take it for granted. Mm. And obviously our parents are going to somewhat believe in us. But like I now have learned so much about, well, I've been a bit obsessed with it to be fair, but like I've learned so much now that I'm like, I nearly plan out some time in the day for my own kids to kind of whisper powerful things, yeah. you know? No, they're like rolling their eyes, cringing always. But like, I, I believe that that will actually have a compound effect on them when yeah. they grow up. And it obviously did for you because to be cheered and to be held, just for mm-hmm. someone to hold the space long enough for you, to for you to believe it too, mm-hmm. I think that's a powerful thing, you know? Absolutely. They, they definitely instilled that self-belief in me, but also the fact that I just literally was just completely naive, right? I yeah. was like... Just rolling was, with it, like... Well, I was very cocky as well, right? Yeah, so okay. I was in my mid-twenties, you know, life had been, you know, had been pretty good, went to college, traveled the world for two years, had a couple of jobs, had, you know, decent success in the roles that I'd mm-hmm. been in. Um, and then I had this idea and I said, oh, sure, I'll give it a whirl. Yeah. You know, my nothing head. Nothing to lose, like, kind of attitude. Nothing to lose. Yeah. I was living at home with my parents. I didn't have a mortgage, didn't have kids, nothing to worry me, nothing to hold me down. I said, sure, I'll give it a shot. And if it doesn't work, I'll just get a normal job. Mm. And then the recession hit. And there was no jobs oh my God. to be had. So then the fear started coming in. Oh God, I really I have do to sustain have to. this thing now. And yeah, I have to make mm. this work. I have to keep going. So that kind of really stoked my inner, inner fire, mm. I suppose, to keep going. And there'd be, you know, there'd be a fair amount of stubbornness in there as well mm. of just like, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do this and yeah. like be, to be damned, recession be damned, yes. whatever, you know. And a pinch of, there's also a little bit of survival mode now that you're like, I've gotten this far. I need to sustain it and keep going. Totally. And like, to be honest, there wasn't there wasn't much else out there. Right. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of kept going, kept putting one foot in front of the other. You know, I never really thought back then, back in those early days, I never really, I didn't know what imposter syndrome was. It wasn't, that wasn't named back then. That wasn't even yeah. a term. Right. So I just kept plowing ahead putting Mm. one foot in front of the other and again there's a lot of talk now about authenticity and being yourself on camera or on Instagram things like that again that none of that world existed back then like we're talking 2008 2009 there was no Instagram there was no Facebook live you know it was very very it was simpler times yes but also the age that you're at like I don't think I ever had those things either in my 20s it was only really when you kind of go okay I know I'm 30 and now it's getting serious that I started to, I was much later coming to the self-doubt and yeah. the yeah. imposter party, like, you know, because in my 20s does. I burned through things, you well, know. This is exactly You didn't it. care, and, like. And that really helped me. So for the first five years of my business, I was in my 20s and I was like, woo, just yeah. let's keep going. Any opportunity, media, TV, um, you know, quirky PR campaigns, going on the Dragon's Den. I was like, yep, I'll Throw have yourself all. into I'll it. I'll have it yeah. all. And I had, no, I had no fear. And my first employee was actually my brother. And we had to do like the About Us page on the Mm. website and we wrote each other's bios because like it was just too gawk to write your own bio at the time, right? (laughs) So we wrote each other's bios and my brother, 
who, you know, it's my closest sibling and we we worked together for years and we were, were very successful working together. But, you know, he's still your brother and he's still going to like yeah. bring you down to earth, right? Of but course. He, he wrote my bio and he wrote, Kira is our fearless leader. <gasps> and I will never... I'm actually oh, getting emotional. Shivers, yeah. I've actually got the shivers when you said that. Oh my God. And I was like, that's my brother who gives me Yeah, but he sees who you really day. are though as well. Like Exactly. <sighs> and he said that about me. She's our fearless leader. And I was like, oh my God. And then when he gave me that label, I think, mm. I honestly, it's, I'd say it's still on the website. I, I don't know if it's even been changed in all that time. I felt then like, well now... That's a suit I can get into now and where. I have to be that now because I don't want to let him down. So I have to be fearless. And that was just one of the, it's weird the things that stand out to you, but that was one of the kind of defining moments, I suppose, for me in seeing myself as a leader and, you know. And the power in those words mm -hmm. when you really embody them. And that's actually exactly what you've been doing at that time. That's a really good Label to put on you yeah. if I. Well, I, I you would know? never have described myself yeah. in that way, but seeing somebody else, especially somebody so close to you, who, somebody who you care about and you value what they think of you mm. so much, you're like your brother, you're, mm. he's my closest sibling in age. And, you know, he, we work together. For him to describe me as that, it was like, whoa. And to okay, speak the truth. Now I better That's step powerful, up to this, you know? Isn't it? Yeah. Wow. And you're still talking, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, as a parent, I'm like, yeah, I see hope now. My kids who are fighting all the time. One of them might say a nice thing to the other sometime when they're yeah. older and my job will be done here. Um, that's so funny. So like you're also your father obviously influenced you a lot and seeing them, you know, be in entrepreneurship and all that. Was there any kind of, you know, failures or times where you're like, OK, I need to dig a bit deeper now. Did I, like your, your business for 15 years has been through unbelievable challenges for your industry. Well, for business in general, but like the wedding industry. So let's just talk a minute about what exactly you were doing and the 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 cross section of you and technology and the whole wedding industry, because it was really, really disruptive in the best possible way at the time. And the funny thing is, it still is. It's still ahead of its time for the longevity of 15 years to still be on the cutting edge of an industry, that's something to be proud of, you know. So like, tell me how all that began. So you began with this idea to match venues and couples to make Mm -hmm. it easier for them to book their venues and book, you know, their suppliers for weddings. So then what happened? Because I know you built out a whole system, you know, around that then. So talk to me about that. So it was really interesting, like when I started the business back in 2008, again, it's hard for people sometimes to even conceptualize this but around that time booking.com and hotels.com were just launching so okay. pre pre 2008 to book a hotel room you could the hotels did have websites mm-hmm. but they were kind of just brochure sites you could go on and you could basically you had to ring them or email them to book then those aggregator sites started coming around that time 2008 so really the idea was okay hotels love that's my family background i had done my degree in uh, BIS, Business Information mm-hmm. System. So I had that kind of tech, you know, Insight, interest in yeah. tech. And so it was like, okay, well, now you can book hotel bedrooms online. That's done. Hotels.com, booking.com. They've done that. Tick, tick. Like, what's the other thing people want to do in hotels? And so then I thought, weddings, getting married. I was 25, not married myself, but, you know, seeing some, you know, it's kind of of the age that you're aware of it. You see mm-hmm. some of your friends, you know, going through that. And it was like, well, weddings is a niche and, you know, when you're in, in 
in marketing classes and in business courses in college, you know, they always say niche, niche, niche. niche. <laughs> so find your niche. Yeah. So I was like, well, weddings, that will be easy to brand. It will be easy to find my target customers. It's taking the tech and the hospitality and putting a big wedding wrapper around it. Mm-hmm. And that's where the idea came from. A lot of people see me and, you know, especially in the early years and they like, I was the classic age profile of a bride. Mm. And then I had this wedding business and they were like, oh, isn't that great? Isn't like that she cute? has that wedding yeah. business. And like, I literally felt that invisible pat on the head from so okay. many people that I met in those early years. Like, you know, when you're pitching, going to the different agencies, it was like patronizing. Nice, like, so patronizing. Oh and oh my God, that got my heckles up. Mm. And I remember when I was doing a big pitch over in London and um, to a, a big group of chairmen in the hospitality industry. And my final slide was like, you know, all the usual pitch deck. And then my final slide, you know, the thank you, was an illustrated drawing of a woman in a wedding dress with an AK-47, holding an AK-47 gun and a cigarette hanging out of her mouth. And it was like, <laughs> wedding dates, we mean business. It was like, don't take me seriously. Me here, no, you yeah. know. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. yeah. And that has always been in me, I suppose, trying to trying to fight against that stereotype or mm-hmm. that box that people try to put me in or put my business in mm-hmm. and you know you know the business has as you said has evolved massively over those years it started as that very kind of simple you know matching website based on the date you know matching couples and and venues and suppliers and now we've completely pivoted especially during COVID, into software. And now we have a whole software platform that we sell to hotels and venues to help them manage their wedding and events um, sales pipeline, basically. That's incredible. Like, even as you say those words out loud, the idea was so far ahead of its time, mm. you know, when all of those other websites yeah. were only starting. Yeah. Like, and I think that's why, I, I guess, we were inside in a startup, in a centre that was all about innovation and, you know, mm-hmm. the future of tech and to see someone actually, a firecracker come in and do that, I can, see, I, I guess I didn't understand it as much at the time, but now I look back going, it was actually, if you only brought this idea out five years ago, it was ahead of its time. Yeah. You know, and then how it's continued to iterate to now be its own software is incredible. And the other thing that I think was very brave was, before you even had the whole of Ireland, let's just say, nailed down in terms of every single hotel signed up, you were already in the UK and the demand was already there. Yeah. It just, the scale was so quick and ahead of itself, do you know? Yeah, I yeah, I've been in the UK now for 10 years, so yeah. um, more actually. God, yeah, no, I think 12 years maybe. Anyway, um, yeah, 2011 was when I did my first trip to the UK, so... Yeah, Like you'd see some businesses, you know, learn their market, learn what they're really good at and then slowly scale. But you just you just bit it off like you just went for it, you know. <laughs> I um, suppose that's the impatience in me. <laughs> yeah, well, it's the fire in you. Like, I mean, just get it done. But like, so like in terms of failures then, if did like any major things happen along the way that made you go, God, what am I doing? Or maybe your age kicked in or you're like, OK, what am I actually doing here? I mean, there's in any business there's going to be loads, there's going to be failures. And mm. in a 15 year business, there's tons of failures. I, you know, c- couldn't even pick some of them out. But, you, you know, I used to think, I think of sometimes when I, when I hit low moments and in those low moments, I always, my go-to is my mum. When I'm feeling low, rattled, Beaten nervous. Down. Now mm. we know we have a name for it, imposter syndrome, whatever. Mm. 
And I remember it really, really clearly. It was back in the very early years, I'd say in year one or two. And I was like, I was just getting so many no's because I was trying to sell to hotels in Ireland in the middle of a recession. Mm-hmm. And I was just getting no after no after no. And, you know, I was I was the main salesperson, obviously, the only salesperson in the company back then. I was the, the only one doing everything most, most things <laughs> in the company back then. And I remember my mum saying to me, when was the last time you... Um, got out in the road and you you met your customers. It was the last time you got got in the car and got out in the road. And I was like, oh, two weeks ago or whatever. And she's like, yeah, you've been in the office too much. You need to get out. You need to get out and talk to people again. And that was that advice has just stood to me in in such in mm. such good stead over the over the years because while so much of my business is strategic, you're at your desk, you're planning, you're plotting, your mm-hmm. Excel spreadsheets, the whole thing. For me, what what fills my cup and what refuels me is actually being out on the road, meeting, meeting people, people, talking to people, listening to them, shaking their hands, looking in their eyes. Mm. And that has been such a big strength in my business as, of how much I've actually, you know, worn out the shoe leather, as they yes. say. Get your feet on the street. Yes. And, and that has served me so well. And that's how I scaled in Ireland. And that's exactly, yeah. I just repeated it in the UK. I just rinse and repeat. Yeah, and it's that on, connection it's just piece. Just getting on a Ryanair plane instead yeah. of getting in the car. It's 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 the connection piece too mm-hmm. that I think I've actually worked in a venue that's had mm-hmm. your software as well. So like, it's the connection piece and even the staff, like that comes from the top down, I believe. But like, they were just so connected and knowing our particular venue, yeah. you know, which yeah. I thought was really incredible yeah. for the scale of the business that they they knew what our key things were. So yeah. like there was very clever ways to keep us connected, even though we were using technology. Yeah. You know? Well, we definitely do pride ourselves on that. And something that I instill into my whole team um, is, you know, really the cost, the customer. And for us, that's primarily, you know, hotels and venues, mm-hmm. you know, in any meeting we have about anything, we always have a voice of the customer. We have somebody at that table who's going to speak up on behalf of the hotels, the venues, or have them in mind for whatever mm-hmm. thing we're thinking of. And I think being that close to our customers has has it's made vital. us survive, yeah. number one, but also really helped our growth. And, it, the, you know, my, my own personal network has been hugely important to the success of the business, but also to my own sense of fulfillment and satisfaction because that is whatever, you know, the the hierarchy of needs or whatever yes, it is, you know, you for me, really human connection and actually not just having customers that's, you know, another, oh yeah, that hotel is with us, that hotel is mm-hmm. with us, that it's another number, but actually, oh yeah, you know, Mary in the Maryborough, she's been with yes. me for 15 years like she yes. knows me she's seen my business grow she's seen all of the trials and tribulations and you're growing together as well exactly yeah. and you know and I can give multiple examples mm. like Mary she always pops into my mind yes. as, you know a great Cork Hotel and a, a great Cork Hotelier um, but you know some of these clients have become friends you know when I celebrated 10 years in business we had a big party coincidentally in the Maryborough <laughs> and um, three four four of my Four of my clients from the UK flew over to Cork to celebrate me turning my business turning Turn. ten years old, wow. and like that was incredible. I mean, you, sometimes you, you you have these different events, and you know it's hard to get people to get off the couch yes, on a Thursday night show up. to yep. show up to something. These people came from the UK, and that is obviously because they love they wedding dates and they valued business. Doing. But even more importantly than that, you know, they 
have a few a relationship human connection with, with me, a relationship and a friendship. And that's beyond anything because a business mm-hmm. will come and go. You yeah. know, I, I don't think yours will, to be honest. <laughs> you know, things come, you evolve, you go into different chapters of your life, but mm-hmm. to hold that kind of relationship piece is really important, yeah. you know, as you as you evolve. And speaking on that, like how do you, what practices or what tools or what do you lean on to grow yourself? To, you know, your leadership? Have you been anyway critical or how do you approach your own growth and your own leadership that stretch that we need to do at all the different phases you know I think it's about surrounding yourself with people that you admire people that are maybe better that better than you at certain things and um for me I've you know done very di- different programs entrepreneurship programs or or whatever over the years that have really stretched me mm-hmm. and really helped me believe in a bigger and better version of myself. And that's really helped me develop my leadership, develop my listening skills um, and ultimately helped support me with my resilience when times are tough. Mm -hmm. And like it's something that we get, well I do anyway, you get so caught up in the strategic piece of like the actual business, Mm -hmm. but there's a strategic piece to building out ourselves as well, you know, and that's really robust. And for me, I think the phases of my life as a mother has has been the most challenging because even though I want to do this thing or that thing, I'm at a stage where I've decided to be at home up until now, like when they were a bit younger, to be at home in the afternoons and my hours were limited. And now everyone keeps saying to me lately, oh, and this is happening and that's happening. I'm like, no, I'm just at a different season now yeah. where my kids are a little bit older. How has that impacted your your thirst or I suppose your your ambitions of what you want to do versus the practicalities of being a mom. Yeah. You know? And I, I, it's, it's so funny to think back because when I started the business, I was 25, obviously I didn't have any kids. I was at everything. Virginia, I was <laughs> The opening at of an envelope here. <laughs> every networking event, I was there, you know, really got, got literally out Put there Put yourself out there, yeah. In Cork, but even up in Dublin as well. You know, when I expanded the business to the UK, I used to just commute over, over fly over on a Tuesday, fly back on a Thursday. Um, I, you know, put in the hours, I put in the miles, I put mm-hmm. in that work. And then when I had the boys, so I have twin boys, they're nine now. Um, but when I had them, it was quite unexpected. Okay. So it uh, was an unexpected pregnancy. Then it, I found out it was twins. Wow. Um, and I was living in London at the time and um, had the scan in a hospital in London and, and discovered it was twins. And I was like, oh, wow, okay, I'm going to need to move home. Like I'm yes, going to need this is gonna gonna be challenging. support, right, with twins. And then they were born prematurely. So Ooh. that was another like, throw I mean what else can you throw at me here mm-hmm. you know I wasn't planning on g- getting pregnant Yeah. then I wasn't now there's then two. it was twins then they came nine weeks early so they were due in January and they came on the 3rd of November so like to say that I wasn't ready is an understatement the business wasn't ready I wasn't ready um, we had just moved back from London um, which alone like any of those things in isolation are difficult moving you know yeah. planning to have your first child having one child but like to have two and have them early it's just like it's like the perfect storm isn't it? It really was I mean there wasn't a hospital bag packed Yeah, we had literally moved back from London we were living just with my mom and dad temporarily and then I f- we found um, a rental accommodation in a, r- a house in Carrigline mm-hmm. and um, 
I was in work on the Friday. We moved into the new house on the Saturday and then had the boys on the Sunday. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And my brother went into the office on Monday morning and told the staff, Kira had the babies over the weekend. Oh my they gosh. were like, what? Because on Friday, I was running up and downstairs. Oh my gosh. Because I was, I was still an energizer bunny, of even were, during yeah. my pregnancy, yeah. right? I was just like hither and tither. I was running all over London, like yeah. with the big bump. I used to like mentally talk to the boys uh, when I was going to meetings, like, come on, lads, now, give me the good <laughs> vibes for this meeting. <laughs> my God. <laughs> um, so, how so did all that all that unfold? Was, it was a really, really critical time in in, in my life, mm-hmm. um, and I the boys were in the neonatal unit in CUMH for six weeks, um, so I was by the incubators uh, with my phone answering emails. God. Yeah, it was a really tough time. I used to, I had a really great team at that time, and. Between them and my dad used to go in and have weekly meetings with them, mm-hmm. just on the numbers, the finances, and they really, really stepped up at that time and supported me. And it just really taught me the power and the value of a really solid team and trusting people. Because yeah. I, you know, was a bit of a control freak. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably I'd say I'm a recovering control yeah. freak. Yeah. Uh, I think we all are in some to some extent. But... You know, it was all about getting the business ready for me to have the babies in January. And then, you know, I was, I, I didn't hand things over. Yeah. I was preparing to hand things over, but mm-hmm. I didn't hand things over. And then boom, I was just pulled out overnight. I was pulled out of the business. So it's really hard. Like when you've worked that hard to get systems in place and you know, you, you're needed there, obviously, yeah. do you know? And, and exactly. And, you know. We did have some systems in place, but a lot of the systems were just in my head. Yeah. So okay. that was a great lesson. <laughs> you are the system. <laughs> you actually were. The so it was a great lesson, I suppose, yeah. to um, to delegate, to trust your team yes. and to know that people have your back and to not, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to put yourself on that island. Yes. You know, And, and it's not just trusting there's trust, mm. but there's also the self-trust of allowing yourself to trust. I find that yeah. to be the most yeah. critical piece. If those two aren't aligned, you can trust everyone. But if you don't trust yourself enough to let them go, yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's a tricky one. Yeah, like. that is that is true. Um, so then anyway, the boys came out of hospital um, on the 18th of December, a little Christmas present for me, and had Christmas at home. And then I went back to work on the 4th of January. So no such thing no as maternity, maternity leave. Oh my God. Couldn't afford it. Yeah. Um, the uh, My partner at the time, the boy's dad, um, wasn't working. So it was, it was a... Uh, so that's another burden you had then to Yeah, it was a single income household. Um, my mum and dad bought us the double buggy because we wouldn't wow. have been able to afford them. Those big double buggies, mm. those travel systems are expensive. Yes. So they bought us that. Um, wow. And otherwise, yeah, as I say, we, we wouldn't have had one. So it was a really, really tough time. Um, but um, got through it, went back to work. I went back to work part time initially because I was uh, breastfeeding them. So mm-hmm. I would mind them at home for the morning. Uh, their dad was doing a course and then we'd have lunch and then I'd go into the office in the afternoon and I'd come home at five, half five. I'd literally be walking through the door, ripping my jumper <laughs> off. Give me a baby. Give me a, I need to feed. <laughs> And this is the side like that we don't see, you know, I mean, and this is where I think it's really important to normalise. This is why you're here. It's why I thought definitely when I think of iconic people who've been through it, all out the front, it looks like it's all business. But there is always this reality that goes on, the duality of the reality. 
is always there and with you like I, your twins were born around the same as my second child mm-hmm. you know and by then on the second time around I'm like okay I'm, I'm, I'm kind of somewhat prepared now but you never are yeah. so like to be thrown into that with a business like I did have I was working in other places when I had both my kids and I, I thank God for that because I had the stability that you know I didn't have to I could just be there and do one thing instead of, you know, how it is when you're working for yourself. So, like, I just can't even fathom the challenge of that. And then they go to school and you think, oh, well, it's fine now. I can just go back to my business. But it isn't no. like, and that's what I keep learning. Unfortunately, it's unfortunate to be in this position. But every time I think, OK, it's going to get easier now, the next more involved, like my oldest is in secondary. And I thought, well, this would be fine now. She's in secondary but it's a whole other mm. area of she needs me in different yeah, ways, exactly. you know. Yeah. It's another capacity of space that I need to make, which I'm privileged to make for her. Mm. But I'm like, okay, like there's still no time for things, you know. Yeah. So yeah. for you, like you still went on then and the boys went to school. And well, even prior to them going to school, um, the relationship ended. So I became a single mom when they were two. Okay. Um, and that was like that was probably the hardest time in my life, I would say, even harder than the premature prematurity. I mean, they're very hard in different ways. But did you feel a pressure then that like, oh God, no, it's really all on me? And yeah. or what did you feel? Yeah, I felt well, I felt a failure. Okay. I felt a big failure. Okay. And I felt huge pressure as well. And just so scared, just so scared of like what what will happen to me, what will happen to the boys, what will happen to the business. I was, I was, I made myself sick at the time. Mm-hmm. I actually was in severe pain like for like about you a year. You hold the pain in your body for sure, I believe, oh. that it comes out, it's going to come out. Yeah, so I had know? this severe abdominal pain where I'd be literally, it used to just come on at night. So I'd be grand all day, I'd be working, I'd be in the office completely fine, pain-free, mind the boys blah 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 and then at night when I lay down in bed the pain would come and it was severe like in my my abdomen my back severe pain so went on it was in and out of hospital went on for about a year in the end I had to have my um gallbladder removed so surgery but like I truly believe that physical pain was just a manifestation of the stress that I was under at that time in my life um and the stillness I always find that we, we spend so much time keeping ourselves busy to avoid the stillness because mm. in that stillness you have to deal with the real feelings mm. and if we can keep ourselves busy enough and just close our eyes at night we don't allow the stillness to come up and the things that we're hurting from yeah. be healed and it's funny that like the people who don't deal with it head on and I'm not judging you when I say that because I was there too but if you don't deal with those things head on and actually go down digging for them mm. It comes out in your body and I had yeah. exactly the same thing in a different scale, a little injury that it just made everything stop. Like the wheels will come off, Yeah, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, you know, it was around that time that I found yoga. My brother um, was like, Kira, you're burning out. You mm. know, you're going to need to, you need to go on a holiday. You need to do something. And I was like, oh, yeah, I was so angry back then. I was like, mm. oh, what am I going to do? Go on a holiday by myself and drink margaritas by the pool? I don't mm. think so. Like I was so... Yeah, the anger just spills out of you at every opportunity then. Exactly. And anyway, he found um, a yoga retreat um, in Mallorca, direct flights from Cork. And I just booked it. I'd never done yoga before. I didn't, 
um, obviously I was going on my own I didn't know anybody didn't know anything about yoga mm-hmm. I went there and the, they were just laughing at me on the retreat because you know the food on yoga retreats is always vegetarian food and like I, I love I love vegetables I love vegetarian yeah, yeah. food but I'm you know back then I was predominantly a meat eater now I am more leaning vegetarian but back then I was a meat eater full time like and it's like second or third meal I was around the table with all these strangers and I was like food's lovely it's, it's all vegetarian and they just looked at me and they were like, how How did you not know that? Like, <laughs> did you not read the emails? I was like, nah, I didn't You're read like, anything. I literally just arrived and I was like, what's yoga? That's so um, funny. But that, that was, I suppose, the start of my healing journey and letting go of a lot of hurt, a lot of anger, abandonment, all of those things. And the judging yourself or like, yeah. you know, it, it wasn't you that failed. A situation mm-hmm. failed. Yeah. It had nothing to do with you. But like to accept that and exactly. to own that a little and is hard. There was a lot it? of feelings of shame as well. Okay. Uh, back, uh, you know, at that time. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, and I, I would, I remember going to different um, conferences and stuff in the UK for the business and people, everyone knew I had twins, of course. And mm-hmm. the, people would say, oh, how are the boys? And, you know, they're with their dad. And, you know, and I'd just kind of nod mm. and smile like, no, my mom's minding them. Like, mm-hmm. that's how I'm able to be here for my business. But I was ashamed to say that I was a single mom and that the relationship didn't work. And that was a big learning and evolvement for me to actually, one of the first times I said it publicly, I was asked to um, go to UCC to speak um, at their conferring um the, give the closing address at one of the conferring okay, which ceremonies. Which is such an honour and an amazing thing to do. Huge honour and that was, oh my God, when I was asked to do that, I was like, that was one a huge moment. You've arrived. <laughs> syndrome for me. I was like, why would they ask me? Oh wow. my God. But I felt like I owed it to myself. Earlier and versions my, of exa- yourself. Exactly. Like, or my, you know, even my own classmates yes. from BIS. I was like, one of us is being asked. I have to do it not just for me, but for all, for of, all them of them as well. You know, it's like... It, it the was, collective. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I, in I, I really worked very hard on that on that speech, and I, I, I said publicly in that speech that I was a single mother, and it was very nerve wracking for me to like say it out. It was recorded, like it's on YouTube, you know, and very emotional as well too. Yeah, but a woman came up to me after afterwards, and she had just graduated, um, with a postgraduate uh, program, and she had an idea for a business, and, um. She was a single mom and she came up to me at the end and she said, I'm a single mom and I think that I can't start my own business because I'm a single mom. But listening to you today and hearing your story has helped me believe that I can. And I, oh my God, I was so floored that, you know, I was like, oh my God, I impacted one person in the room with that. Yes. With with saying that out. And the power of speaking that truth. Exactly. So I literally, I went home that day and I changed my Twitter bio. <laughs> single mom. Hashtag. Hashtag. <laughs> but I just think, you know, oh there's a lot of negative connotations in society or certainly there used to be out about yes. single moms. And, um, and here know, you are normalising that as well because, you know, it is. It's like you, you put yourself into this category and you feel, okay, this is my limit. Now, we put in our own glass ceilings yeah, and we totally. hold that and go, okay, well, I can only do this. And it's a limiting belief. Mm-hmm. But like... Sometimes it's not a belief we put on ourselves. It's one that we just, we put the coat on and it fits so we wore it, you yeah, know? Yeah, Um. That's, and like, do you find now that you've been able to say, I'm embodying this, I'm a, a single mom, how has it impacted or changed the way you hold yourself or the way that you, you approach things? I think it's just, it's given me, 
it's like I'm stepping into my power with mm. every single one of these things. Beautiful. It's just I'm I'm owning who I am and coming back closer to yourself like exactly so it's all that authenticity stuff that I just had naturally when I was like 25 because yes. I didn't know any different as you say as you get older those voices who does she think she is all of these things start coming in that separation and, like exactly and now I feel like I'm shedding all of them again mm. like I turned 40 last year and I was like I am 40. Isn't it something incredible happens at 40? Like physically, a lot of incredible things happen after 40. <laughs> but like I definitely at that 40, um, I just feel like I at 40, I had to realise to go back and pick myself up back there where I left her because mm-hmm. I too had this like could do anything, you know, in my 20s and then my 30s, I just became a shell of that. Mm-hmm. And I nearly had to go back and like strip back the layers go back and remember who I actually am and bring her right up to speed to where I want her to go next, you know. Where are you going next? What's the next version or the next iteration (laughs) of the business? Where's the business going? But also, like, what's next for you in terms of, know what's on your, like, the, the boys are getting a little bit older. What's the next kind of aspirational place you want to reach? So... I suppose because I am, uh, well, I don't know if it's because I am a single mother, but, uh, you know, I I spend a lot of time, obviously, with my boys on my own and we have some really great conversations and I'm really very, you know, I would be known as being, you know, I'm I'm a vocal feminist, you know, strong women, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm all about women and empowerment for women, but I'm raising two boys. Mm. So I really started to think about raising young boys in this current society and in this current climate. So I, and I, I suppose again, around the time of turning 40, I started thinking about, well, like, what's my legacy going to be? You know, what what's my impact here? Mm-hmm. Wedding dates is, you know, I always say it was my first baby. It's 15 years old now, it's a teenager. Yes. Um, and wedding dates a is... A bratty teen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's in a really stable place. We've survived a recession. We've survived a global pandemic. It's a stable business. I have an amazing team really, really solid team and we've got loads of exciting things planned for the future. But aside from that, I have an idea for an an initiative, a social enterprise, um, which I'm calling Boys for Better. And it's really around, you know, supporting, educating, empowering boys, young boys from, you know, seven to 11, 12, around that age and trying to encourage more evolved thinking in young boys. You know, we we see the different things going on in society, you know, misogynistic comments, you know, the, you know, sexual violence, that beautiful teacher that was um, raped, murdered last mm-hmm. year, you know, things like that. And, you know, when, when things like that happen, everyone's wringing their hands, what can be done? What can be done? You know, um, you know, and I, What's I our just, role in this as a, exactly, as a as a society? Yes. And it's always how can we, you know, you know, either you even hear politicians saying, "Oh, women should be going around wear, wearing these mm. rape whistles and don't walk alone at night." And all this, it's like, hang on a second, maybe we as women don't need to make ourselves smaller and change our behaviour. We need to educate. Go back men, a step, but and go back. And I think we need to get the when they're young, when they're young so boys, powerful. and educate them about what it's like 
to be a girl and a woman so that they're growing up with a little bit more education, understanding and awareness. And compassion. And compassion, exactly. I mean, I have conversations around the dinner table with my boys about period poverty Mm. and about how these young girls in Africa that can't go to school because they have their period. Mm -hmm. Things like that. I'm trying to open them up. You know, we talk about gender stereotyping. I remember we we went to buy ski socks because we were going skiing and went into the shop. Of course, I was the last minute come, where's the ski socks? <laughs> to the guy behind the counter. And he saw me with the two lads. I said, I'm looking for kids' ski socks. He saw the two boys with me and he said, oh, the boys' ski socks are here. And my son, Max, just looked up at him and he said, we don't do gender stereotyping. <laughs> Like really fist pumping. I was like, this is a proud mom moment. And the two lads picked all the pink and purple ski socks. I love it. Your job in the world is done here. Like, (laughs) I mean, and one of my next questions was like the gender gap and how do we fix it and what's the problem and how are you seeing it? But like, I am on the other side of the coin going, like, mine will roll their eyes backwards if I, you know, it's all a feminine. And but I also have a boy and. I I find there's loads of things to empower the female because it's a narrative that's out there. But I do find that, okay, so how do I address this with a boy? Mm-hmm. And and I don't want him to feel lesser either that mm-hmm. I'm out there yeah. with the pink and the, you know. Yeah, and I, I, I want I, it to be fair and, you know, like everybody else that there shouldn't be any gender gap. But like, how do we actually address that? So I think that's such a powerful legacy. And I, you know, what bothers me about legacy is that people wait until they're like, oh, I'll work my whole life and leave this legacy. Like, I want to live my legacy. Mm-hmm. I want yeah. it to be an everyday iteration of who I am becoming always. Mm-hmm. And why do we have to wait and wait and wait? Like, what can we do on the ground today? So that is so powerful that that's where you're going. Yeah, I'm only, you know? I mean, I'm only getting started. I, I've yeah. given myself 10 years. I'm giving myself my 40s mm-hmm. to figure out what this is, right? At the yes. moment, I have a concept and I have a name, but mm-hmm. I haven't yet figured out what does this look like and how is this actually going to make an impact on young boys beyond just my own kitchen table, right? Yes. So I have to figure out the structure of that alongside running my day-to-day business and being a mother and a daughter and a friend and all those other good things. So it's just balancing all of that. But I have I have a vision for it and I, I know that's what I'm going to spend my next 10 years working on and I'm really excited And it lights it. you up which I think is yeah. like I think staying close to your curiosity and yeah. what really excites you is where it really yeah. it can move quicker than it can be quantum like if you're really into it and you want to move it forward yeah. and I suppose going from there then like if you're going to focus on that and you know, in terms of your own growth, like where do you see your gaps now that you go, okay, well, I might need to, do you like self-assess yourself and go, I need a mentor or I need more coaching or I need more programs? Like where mm-hmm. where do you feel with all of that? Or do you feel like you're at an age where you're like, I, I actually have got this now? Definitely not. <laughs> I definitely always think that I can be improving. And I am a, such a huge believer in instinct, first of all, mm-hmm. and trusting my gut but also the right, ne- the next right thing will be presented to me. Mm. I totally believe in the universe. And, and trusting. Exactly. And what the universe will deliver to me. Yes. And I really believe people and circumstances and things are put in my path either to teach me a lesson yeah. or to support me and help me and guide me into my next next thing. And some of the most transformational things in my life that I've done have just... 
I've just heard about them randomly. I haven't mm. gone out seeking them, right? Yeah. So I had a fantastic mentor last year and it was through, you know, an email going around this network that I'm involved in called Vital Voices. An email went around this lady. She was like, her, oh my God, I'm going to get this wrong. I can't even remember her job title, but she was like, Vice President of Exxon Mobile, like just like a in, major in the US. player. She's based in Washington, a major player in the US, and she is going into executive coaching and she wanted to do some pro bono coaching. Mm-hmm. I was like, how in God's name would I ever have access to somebody at this level? Incredible. And I had, you know, 12 weeks of coaching with her, which was in just phenomenal. Um, so a lot of things like that, I, you know, back, just before she was put into my path, I was like, I probably, I need some mentoring now. Where would I go to get a bit of mentoring? <laughs> and next thing, boom, this email comes. So yes. I'm just like... When the I'm energy very, is clean for mm-hmm. it though, I think I think that's what I've learned that I would have wished these things into existence before, but there was always like, on one hand, I wanted the things, but on the other hand, I was doubting I should have them. Yeah. And as soon as I cleaned that up, I too find that I'm, I'm gone really into the universe and the laws of attraction and yeah. all of that. They only come when the energy is clean and yeah. that's the, the housekeeping yeah. I had to do. You yeah, know? and I, I think that that's exactly it. And I I do feel like I've done a lot of that work so I'm very open to things and yes. I say I say yes to things. Yes. Things that just come come on my path. And we, the, we Like the Grammys. Can <laughs> we just have a minute to talk about the Grammys? So I, was like, I remember opening Facebook going, what? She's where? There's no way. <laughs> so that organisation that I'm involved with, Vital Voices, um, I did a program with them in 2018 and it's a, a organization based out of Washington, D.C., but they do these programs all globally where they mm-hmm. take female entrepreneurs and match them with mentors. And it's a week long intensive program where you work on your business and yourself with these really brilliant mentors and it's residential. You live Sounds in... Sounds incredible. It's incredible. And I've met some amazing women from all over the world through that network. And we've kept in touch, obviously, but one of the women on the program is um, she owns an entertainment company in LA. She's a DJ and she was booked to DJ the after party of the Grammys. And she, of course, put it on the WhatsApp. Guys, Stop I've got it. guest list. Who wants to come? And, it, you know, everything. No, no, you're too busy. You're like, my work. bags are packed. I'll be there in seven hours. <laughs> but like the, the initial thing was like, no, I'm too yeah. busy. Work. This isn't on the right time. The boys, da, 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 da. And then I, I started looking up and, that weekend was the weekend the boys were with their dad and it was the, the new St. Bridget's Day where we had the extra staff work. Aer Lingus were St. having Bridget a seat sale. St. Bridget's you this. Yeah, St. Bridget. Aer <laughs> Lingus were having a seat sale. It's like all the stars aligned. I was like, that's it, I'm going. And I, I was kind of nervous about like saying it to my mom and dad. I was like, oh God, they'll be like rolling their eyes to heaven at me. And the two of them were just cheerleading. My mom was like, you can sleep when you're dead. Just do exactly. it. Exactly, like, go for it. Yeah, exactly. Unbelievable. And I think, you know, that's, to your earlier point as well about like being open to things and you know the boys I think we saw it on a movie one time but they tell you know this story of like a man was drowning and um, a boat pulls up and the the guy in the boat says do you you need any help and the guy in the water said no no God will save me God will save me and then another boat comes up and do you need a help no no God will save me God will save me and then he drowns and he goes to heaven and he said to God why didn't you save me and he said why didn't you get in the boat (laughs) I sent you two boats. So it's like, you know, being, recognising these things when they come along and being open to them. And, you know, the, the boys literally, te- you know, recall that to each other. And I think it's it's so funny and it's such a good reminder and a lesson to 
to be open and be aware of what's mm. out there and say yes to things and, and jump on the boat and recognize you, you the opportunities when when they when they come and in they might present themselves in a different way to what you were expecting mm-hmm. but by being open and, and, and not being open fixed mind, on what that should look like exactly and isn't it beautiful that like you're modeling that for them now so they're seeing instead of you telling them anything you're showing them what's mm-hmm. possible like I think that's so powerful tell me about I also believe and I'm only realizing this now at this age like okay I thought I was PR I thought I was marketing I thought I was all these things and now I'm kind of reaching what I find to be my divine gifts. They weren't mine. They're given to me. Mm-hmm. I just needed to honor them and give time to master them, which is what I've kind of spent the last 12 months doing. What would you say are your divine gifts? Because I really feel it's my job to normalize women being able to say, this is actually what I'm incredible at. Doesn't mean I do it for a living. Maybe, maybe not. What can you say are your divine gifts or things that you know are deep in your core and they are gifts that you have. Wow. With my silence. In your power. Listeners, <laughs> the listeners will definitely know that you don't send the questions in advance. Because this, like, one, this one I didn't. I really, I'm yeah. really thinking. So, Like when you're in your power, like when you really feel anything, like if you're a tree and the storm comes, but you know the trunk of that tree isn't going anywhere, even if the leaves fall off. Mm-hmm. What for you would you say is your power? I think I'm I think I, I'm quite good at bringing people together. There's a huge fun part of me inside me that it just there's an I energy find the to fun. You. Yeah, yeah, I'll find the fun. You are the fun. <laughs> you don't find it, you bring it. <laughs> but I'm I am good at making people feel a, a certain way and 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 bringing them maybe out of their shells or out of their comfort zone and I do that with a mischievous sense of humor mm-hmm. and fun and you know one of the best things about being a single mom is like I'm just in the house the lads having the crack 24/7 like okay not 24/7 right obviously yeah. that sounds a bit ridiculous but you know like, we're goofy. Like, I live with yeah. two nine-year-old boys. Like, there's a lot of talk of farting and, you know... <laughs> there's the, a lot of nose-picking going on in your house. Of, you know, there's a lot of gross <laughs> slash funny things. And I, you know, I I grew up with three brothers. Like, when I found out I was pregnant, I absolutely knew I was going to have a boy. And then when I t- was told it was twins, I knew they were going to... Th- mm. They were both boys and... I just knew. I knew, yeah. knew, knew it was in me that I was going to have sons. I love, even though I'm so all about female empowerment and I yes. love my girls and my women and my my female community, I love male energy as well. Yes. And I love being around that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd say growing up with three brothers, I had a lot of male friends growing up and just the kind of irreverence. Yeah. <laughs> and the not taking things seriously. And not conforming, I, I think, for you as well is a big one. Like Not conforming is definitely a big one for me. Yeah, like one of the things I say at home to the lads all the time is let your freak flag fly. Mm. You know, let it out yes. there. Like, yes. who cares? You know, we have one life to live. Yes. Let's just go out in the blaze of glory. Like, But I do think in business, I think that's actually something that is a thread that all of the venues feel seen and heard. And you yeah. give them the space to be that individual, you know, so yeah. that actually... Is something that's in your business sense as well, I think. Yeah, and definitely for my staff particularly. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, 
one of the things with, you know, the particularly the, I work with a lot of women um, in my company and, you know, they're coming in with their own baggage and hang-ups about different things as literally any woman on the street that you meet will mm-hmm. have that imposter syndrome, the doubt, the fear, whatever. And one of my, the big things that I work on with my staff is your, be yourself, be your authentic voice, say what, you know, be make that connection and I'm yes we have to be professional of mm-hmm. course the standard doesn't have to drop and the quality doesn't have to drop exactly. for you to be your own individual self exactly and like you know I the, the way I have the, a lot of fun with this is on my out of office messages mm-hmm. so um, like I'll always say on my out of office what I'm doing and you know you know when I away skiing, I'm currently rushing down the slopes at 65 kilometers an hour or whatever. <laughs> or, you know, when I was at the Grammys, um, can't reply to your email because I'm celebrating my female entrepreneur friend as she DJs at the Grammys. Oh Just, you know, I whatever it. it is. And people re- react to those. It's not mm-hmm. just, I'm out of the office today and I will respond to your message in due course. Boring. Yeah. Boring. What an opportunity to put a smile on somebody's face, share a little bit more about yourself and have a point of conversation the next time you talk to that person. And if, be remembered. Like exactly. It, it, it does stand out. Exactly. You know, you know one, one of the women who works for me, she doesn't, uh, she cut down to a four day week when she had her first daughter and now she has two daughters. But her, on her out of office on Fridays is, I don't work on Fridays because I'm spending time with my daughters or I'm bringing, my, you know, I'm at ballet class with my mm. daughters or whatever it might be. And I just think that's lovely mm. because then people who are dealing with her get to know her a little bit better. And I really do encourage the women that work with me to find their voice and to not be afraid to use it and to do that in a safe space, knowing that me as their boss, I'm I'm not Mm. going to judge them. I'm going to be cheering. I'm going to be clapping on the side. And it's in a structure. The business is still getting done. Exactly. But they're allowed to be who they want to be within that structure as well. Yeah, I, I, I think we can, you know, we can all be in business and be professional, but still be ourselves. Mm. And, you know, from the way that I dress, the way that I communicate with people, the way that I show up to to meetings or to events, I always try to... Yeah, you're exactly who you are and you don't hide anything, you know, which is really... Well, I think it's... And people feed off that and they feel like they know you. Well, there's permission in it. From when I first met, I don't know if you ever knew that, but like there was something in that that you being completely yourself and standing and filling your skin even at that age made me think, yeah, I could do something like that, you know? So like it's really empowering for you to just be yourself, obviously, but the ripple effect of that. And on to my last question is, you might have answered that actually, but like, how do you want to be remembered? And that probably is how I remember, how I, the, the pathway in my brain when I think of you is like buzzy, fun, colour, Cool clothes, quirky, and that ripples into your business in the best sense, you know. So how would you describe how you'd like to be remembered? I'd like to be remembered as... Not that you're going anywhere now, like I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not like sending you off on that boat or anything. uh, Yeah, when you think about, well, what what would people say at you at your funeral or whatever if they were to stand up? I'd like to be remembered as someone who was fun, who who liked to, to laugh and dance and you know enjoy life but also somebody who was deeply caring who was a good mom you know that's definitely really important to me and somebody who knew how to stand up for themselves and for others and who Mm. used their voice um for good 
And, you know, that phrase, use your power to empower. Yes. You know, I think that's oh. definitely what I would like to be remembered Fantastic. as. Fantastic. I just think your brother was so ahead of his time because all of that sits so beautifully under fearless leader. So thank you so much for coming and sharing and being vulnerable and giving us all food for thought because we're all still growing. Mm-hmm. We're never going to stop growing. So thank you for empowering us a little further to do that. Thanks so much for having me.